but when practice started and the first play of 11 on 11s is an absolute dime deep to Sammy Watkins for a touchdown, you're like, all right, here we go. Here we go. You solidify the offensive line and the line plays like it did in 2019. This offense is going to be leaps and bounds better than it was last year. Do you expect the Ravens to add a veteran player between now and the start of camp? Welcome into the lounge. Minicamp is in the books. OTAs have been in the books for a little while now. It's vacation mode. This is the beginning of the NFL vacation mode, but you know. We don't take any breaks around here. I was going to say, you've been in vacation. You, you never go on vacation, right, Gary? You've been on vacation mode for about 15 months, so I don't think there's anything yeah, different for right. you. <laughs> <laughs> Real funny, watch <laughs> Uh Anyway, uh, you know, I crawled out of my basement to watch both practices at minicamp, and uh, we're going to give you our, our kind of takeaways from that. And then after that, we're going to launch into a look at some of the more interesting position battles where they stand after OTAs and minicamp, and then kind of what will, uh, you know, what we're looking forward to in training camp, and what uh, some of the more interesting questions will be as we head into training camp. So, so Garrett, let's just start with minicamp. What were some of the biggest things that stood out to you? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that it was. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting because it was a tale of two days. So there were two days of open practice. I thought on the first day, on Tuesday, the offense was not great. A lot of you know, multiple interceptions, not just by Lamar, but by, uh, I think Huntley had one, Trace had one. So I, d- I didn't think the offense looked particularly great on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, yeah. I thought that Lamar and the offense probably had definitely a much better day than Tuesday, but I thought it was maybe their best day of the entire offseason from what I saw. Lamar was pushing the ball down the field. Sammy Watkins was really involved. So I came away really encouraged by what I saw uh, on that day. Um, so I, I, like I said, I think it was kind of a tale of two days. I, I, like for me, it's always good to end on a high note for the offense. So you end the off season mm-hmm. practices with Lamar looking great, hitting throws outside the numbers, Sammy Watkins having a big day. It seems like there's some real chemistry that's been built between Lamar and his new targets. I just go into vacation season on a good note, feeling pretty good about where the offense is right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, you know, I think Lamar, it was funny, throughout OTAs and whatnot, there just wasn't a lot of talk about Lamar on the field, you know? And and quite honestly, I wouldn't say that I've seen a drastic change in Lamar, you know, in, in mechanics and anything particularly, you know? I mean, I think that I'm not a quarters, quarterback's coach, so I don't, I can't notice the subtle, subtle nuances of his footwork, you know, it's a little harder for me to see that. Um but Lamar just looked like Lamar, and he was having a fine OTAs. And then yesterday, I thought he had his strongest day. You know, there was a hiccup. He got he got picked off on a long pass that fluttered on him, and, and Marlon Humphrey picked him off. But when practice started, and the first play of 11-on-11s 11 is an absolute dime deep to Sammy Watkins for a touchdown, you're like, all right, here we go. Here we go! <laughs> right? And, and so I, I thought it was good to see Lamar kind of stand out in that way as a thrower uh, as we kind of put the cap on the offseason program. Um, you know, and, and, and I do think, yeah, I think it's significant that it was Sammy Watkins who exactly. had a big day. That was what like, I was just going to say. 
Yeah, it wasn't Mark Andrews. Now Mark Andrews, like there were many a time, there was many times over the course of the offseason where it's just like, all right, I've seen this before. You know, all of a sudden Lamar hits Mark Andrews over the middle for 15 yards. Like that's that's happened a million times right. over the past. Lamar could hit Mark Andrews on a 15 yard, you know, crosser over the middle blindfolded. Both of yes. them, could, both of them could be blindfolded, and he'd yep. they'd still connect. I mean, literally in in Wednesday's practice, a ball hit the ground uh, intended for Mark Andrews, and I was like, huh, what just happened? <laughs> What was that? You know, it was just like, honestly, that's the only pass that I've seen his way that hit the ground. So those two, the connection is there. But I totally agree with you with Sammy Watkins. And here's the thing. Here's why it's so important. Trust is built during these practices in the offseason. That is when that is built. When Lamar can say, all right, in a practice, I'll throw it up to Sammy and see if he can make a play. And he comes down with it, you know, when he's running shoulder to shoulder with Marlon Humphrey deep and Sammy makes that play. Lamar, that in, in the back of his head, that gets fouled away. All right. All right, Sammy. You know, I'll, I'll give you that shot in the game, you know? And so the more that that is kind of built in these offseason practices, the better that connection is going to be once the ro- regular season rolls around. Yeah. And just one more note on Sammy. Like, I think Lamar, Lamar's always, when he talks to the media and he's asked about teammates, you know, he's always talks about, you know, how teammates, certain teammates are really good and things like that. But, he doesn't necessarily like to heap praise and blow a guy up if he feels like all of a sudden Seacus is going to be out. Like he was asked about Bateman. And he's like, yeah, he's been good, but I kind of want to keep it quiet. No, he's a rookie. He's got to prove himself. With mm-hmm. Watkins, I thought he made an interesting comment where he talked about him being on the opposite side of of Hollywood. Uh, and he said, Sammy's going to make our job a lot easier. He'll open one side of the field more with his deep ball ability, his shifty route running. He's a great receiver. I just can't wait until we start going for real. Like that to me is yep. a, that, that tells you that he really likes what he's seen from Sammy. And he feels like he's it's to some degree, a, a missing component that this offense needed to help take some of the pressure off of Hollywood Make make Obviously. this team, yeah. Make the team defend each side of the field. And... Yeah, it's Hollywood and Mark. I mean, everybody yeah, knew yeah. where Lamar was going to throw the ball, right? I mean, it's third and seven. Who's Lamar going to throw it to? I'll, I'll give you three options here. He's either going to throw it to Marquise, Mark Andrews, or he's going to run for it. Yep, in third and seven, right? I mean, like everybody knew it, and so that really, I think, helped the defense obviously defend against it. So. Just having Sammy on the other side. And then, you know, also if you have Bateman in the slot, go three wide, which the Ravens certainly, I, I would probably expect them to do more of this season, given that they have the weapons to do so. You know, now this offense is a lot harder to defend. Well, we, we you know, we're several minutes in here. We barely talked about Bateman. In, in case you, you didn't hear this, he, he was not on the practice field on Wednesday because he was dealing with a stomach bug. Uh, so it was kind of a bummer not to see him out there. However, I really do like what I've seen from him so far. Marlon Humphrey was effusive in his praise of uh, Bateman and talked about how he had, you know, Bateman kind of ran past Marlon during a seven-on-seven drill on uh, Tuesday's practice and then came back and gave him a, a little trash talk. And Marlon loved the confidence from Bateman. Feels like they got a legit receiver in him. Well, I'm, I'm excited to hear you say that, Garrett, because Rashad Bateman's my guy. That is so. your guy. You were, You're coming over to my side. I've always been on the Bateman train over uh, <laughs> Terrace Marshall. You know, so that's my guy. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like what I've seen from Rashad. Uh, it's clear that he has a lot of burst. The footwork, the, the route running that we've all talked about is definitely there. You know, I, I would say 
from Tuesday's practice, I thought he had a, a you know, it was an up and down practice that is typical of a rookie. Like you definitely see the talent flashing and you just see him. I mean, he doesn't break stride when he gets the ball. He's going to be a good yards after catch guy. He's just really fast. I think he's got, you know, he's got good hands, but you know, he dropped the ball. You know, there was a play deep down the field where I was, I wanted to see him elevate over a guy and, and make the play. And he kind of got his feet tangled up and, and fell down. I think they called a DPI on it. Uh, so, you know, take that for what it is, but you know, I, I think that Rashad's like still figuring things out as a rookie should. I don't want to sit here and put undue expectations on on a rookie wide receiver. I think by midseason, Rashad Bateman's going to be cooking. I'll say that right now. I don't know that he's going to come out and maybe. Hey, I hope he proves me wrong. I don't know if he's going to come out and pull the Hollywood two touchdowns for 150 <laughs> yards in his first game, right? And that really more by virtue of we have more wide receivers around him than we did when Marquise was a rookie. Um, but like you absolutely see the talent with Rashad Bateman a hundred percent. Um, I, I, I'm eager to see him practice more. It's been unfortunate. He's just been, had these little bugaboos that have kept him off the field some. Yeah. With him, I, I think, uh, one area that I'll be curious to see with him is when the pads come on and DBs can start getting a little more physical, mm-hmm. you know, how, how does he handle that? Because he does, he's just a smooth athlete. That's like something we've talked about before. He kind of seems to glide through routes and, well, and he he's sudden too. It's not just smooth. It's smooth and sudden. The explosiveness in and out of his breaks and, and stuff is also there. Oh, absolutely. And so how is it that how when you are like a smooth player, um, and we've talked about it before, like there's not like one trait that he has that is off the charts. He's not off the charts fast. He's not off the charts big. He's just really good across the board. And so how does he do when the pads come on? He's getting pressed to the line of scrimmage and has right. to fight through that. Like he's going to get tested right. on that once you get the training camp going up against Marlon, going up against Peters in that area. Right. When you're so smooth and that gets disrupted a little bit, how do you do? Yep. I think that's, yeah, something that'll be the next step for him. I'll say this. the One of the, my favorite parts of the minicamp practices was, I don't know if it was, it was really a one-on-one route against Marlon Humphrey. And this is the one that Marlon was talking about when he gave his analysis of Rashad Bateman, where he tapped him on the butt afterwards or whatever. But Bateman just basically did like a jump cut. It was like a basketball, like jump cut off the line of scrimmage to the outside and then just burst inside and around Marlon. I mean, he, he does, he had five yards of separation immediately off the snap and went took it for a touchdown, and that's that's Marlon Humphrey, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. And so that's I think when you saw, you know, he said, oh, "Yeah, I, I got a little wiggle in my game too." To Marlon, mm-hmm. you know, that really showed me something right there. Just and and just a great release by a rookie wide receiver. So everybody's talked about it. It's not just Rashad, not just Sammy. Everybody's talked about the wide receiver group and how elevated they've been by virtue of T Martin and Keith Williams. I mean, just yeah. seeing those guys work with these wideouts, you can see a difference. Yeah. How many times have we heard from whether it's Sammy Watkins or Hollywood Brown or whoever, Devin Duvernay, when we had him on the podcast well, last week. And now Marlon, you're hearing it from the defenders. Like, yeah, these <laughs> yeah, wide yeah, yeah. a lot better this year than they were last year. We only had to worry about one or two guys this year. Yeah. Well, you also typically don't hear about, you don't hear players talking about, position coaches on the other side of the ball like i can't remember the last time you heard about that and so for them to be getting 
to be heaping praise on T and Keith tells you how impressive those two guys have been uh, during these offseason practices. And I really think they're going to help elevate that group. So um, I, I think that's all encouraging. Uh, I do want to get your thoughts on the other first-round pick. And I'll, as I do that, it's Adafi Owe, obviously. Uh, we want to remind you, you can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. This is an email from David Folds. Um, and he points out, he said, what I've not seen much in the media is an analysis of Odafe Owe at Penn State that relates the difference between what he was asked to do there compared to what he will do as a Ravens outside linebacker. He said in college, he was often lined up directly across from an offensive tackle as a defensive end, um, where he was used not – looks obvious at his role – sorry, a little, little wordy on the email here. Um, but his role was not oh, just yeah. as an edge rusher, but as an edge defender. So even though he has no sacks – in David's mind, mm-hmm. that's not necessarily surprising because he was really defending the edge. Um, mm-hmm. Where with the Ravens, they were able to see past that uh, and envision a big future for him in terms of what he can do for the defense uh, overall. So, my question, you know, on Owe, we spent so much time talking about the sacks, but I think David's point kind of goes along with what Eric DaCosta said when we had him on, which is that they view him as a high floor player because he was so good at defending the run. And they think that he'll be able to do that right away uh, at the NFL level. And from what I've seen from him, he's got that athleticism that the Ravens were enamored with during the pre-draft process. Like that's evident on the football field, not just in shorts and a t-shirt during a workout. This guy's got a burst off the edge and I'm excited to see that in action. Yeah, and I think, you know, what his role will be is to be determined. Um, you know, the Ravens have Jalen Ferguson and Pernell McPhee, who are two good run stoppers. I expect that Oway will get more of a chance as a pass rusher in the NFL in his rookie season uh, than he did at Penn State, uh, to the question. I-, I think that Wink Martindale can have some fun and-, and scheme up some things for him to come free and just, I mean... That dude with his athleticism coming off a stunt up the middle is going to be yeah. tough. You know, not to mention just this, the burn around the edge and the ability to bend, but I think that they can really utilize him in a number of different ways. And, and they will also as a run stopper, too. I mean, it's not like he's going to be a third down pass rush specialist. I don't think that's going to be the case, but that's all I think still being sorted out to a large degree uh, for the Ravens here in practice. Uh, one of the, I'll just point to one thing that stood out to me about Adafe is I just noticed that, you know, it was a play. I don't know who took it, Dobbins or whatever, and he's 20 yards downfield. And you know who you see still chasing him? Odafe Owe, right? Mm -hmm. Like the last guy still chasing him way down the field to tag him, you know, just get a hand on him. Like you see the hustle there, and and I I just see the guy working. Honestly, uh, that's what I've noticed more than like some splashy play. Like he's working his butt off. And Drew Wilkins is putting him through it to get him ready and, and you know, really just kind of turn him into an NFL pro. Like we've talked about, he's kind of raw. You know, that's how he came out of college. The tools are absolutely there. And what you love to see is the work ethic is, too, to reach that potential. Yeah, I've enjoyed kind of keeping a close eye on him during the D-line drills, the individual D-line drills at the start of practice. I just – the burst that he has, like, it, it – is apparent to me when you watch all these guys go through the drill and then he, he steps up and you're like, Oh, okay. That's some serious juice. And that's 
that's why this guy's a first round pick and why the Ravens wanted him. Why they felt like he was, I forget exactly what DeCosta said, top 20 player, top 25. Uh, why they had him so mm-hmm. high on their board uh, is because he's got that ability. So, um, all right. So, as always, you guys can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. We'll get to another question a little bit later, but something that we want to talk about, we kind of want to go through some of the, the positions uh, overall and talk about the competitions that are going to be taking place once these guys get back on the field for training camp. Because I think there's some interesting ones. I, I feel like a lot of it is set. But there's definitely some some interesting competitions that we're going to be watching closely. The ones that we noted, and we'll go through these individually. Wide receiver, obviously, we're going to talk about that. We have talked about that a lot. The third tight end, that's up for grabs right now. Offensive line, mm-hmm. both the the depth there is to be determined, and then also the starting left guard is a competition. And then secondary, mm-hmm. not the starters, but the depth of the secondary. Yeah. So. What do you want backup to start with? Cornerbacks. Well, you forgot backup quarterback too. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, backup quarterback. The second, the second quarterback. Whether they go two or three, I would guess they go two quarterbacks. That's my guess. Just to jump right into that one, I think they go two quarterbacks, and I don't think that's going to be determined until preseason. Depends how Huntley and Trace McSorley do in the preseason. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's primarily a preseason battle. Uh, if I'm handicapping it right now, I probably give Huntley the advantage. Uh, just because I think he is more similar to Lamar Jackson. And if Lamar were to go down for a game, let's say, uh, I think Huntley comes in. I I made this comparison uh, in the lounge, in the physical lounge uh, the other day, is that Tyler Huntley reminds me of a poor man's Lamar Jackson when he was a rookie, right? Like, like Lamar came in as the starter for Joe and like you looked at that Bengals game, right? Like Lamar was not throwing the ball all that much. The the throws were fairly, you know, a little bit more simple, um, but he could burn you with his legs at any time. That that kind of reminds me of about where Tyler Huntley is right now in his career. And like he could win you a game like that because that speed he has is is dangerous, too. You know, he's got more speed as a runner than. McSorley does. McSorley obviously has more experience. Um, you know, he's just seen more. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think that whoever plays better in the preseason probably wins that job. Yeah. I don't really think there's a, I know you think that Huntley has the edge right now. I don't, I don't know that there is a, a clear edge in my mind on that. Um, mm-hmm. it just, I just think it's really going to come down. Yeah, to I don't know. I, I'm not saying. I, I, I'm not saying like that. He's leaps and bounds. There's a clear yeah. edge. Yeah, I, I'm saying it's it's very close, and I would probably lean towards Huntley if you if you twist my arm. All right, let's talk about a starting job. Starting job. All right, left guard. Because I know that if you talk to, you know, Johnny Ravens fan, the feeling is going to be, oh, that's Ben Cleveland. Ben Cleveland's got the job locked up. This guy's amazing. This guy's huge. He's a mountain of a man. We spent all this time talking about him during the draft. The guy eats squirrel. <laughs> He's fun. The lounge episode with him was the best ever, right? But, and it, and it still could be, but as we've said, the Ravens are not just handing the job over to him. He's got to beat out other guys in that mix. Tyree Phillips mm-hmm. is right there ben competing Powers. with him. Uh, ben Powers is competing for the left guard spot. Like, I, I, and I don't... I think this is another one that's going to come down to training camp. I would bet that Cleveland ends up being the starter at some point during the season, but I'm not sure that it's going to happen week one. Could be an Orlando Brown situation. Uh, I would agree with that. I would agree with that assessment. I'm still, I would still say that 
my favorite to be out there week one would be Ben Cleveland. Um, but I, I totally think that he will become the starter at some point during his rookie season. Uh, you know, it's hard to say who's really pulling ahead in an offensive line battle when you're not doing a whole lot of hitting and the pads aren't on. You know, uh, we'll see more then. I think Ben yeah. Cleveland has looked good. Um, I, I think that, you know, Ben Powers certainly has the experience. He's been fine too. I wouldn't say that like one of them, you know, hell, I'll just throw it out there. It's hard to tell with guard. Let's be honest, right? You got to, well, that's, a, yeah, you got to really that's watch what I was them. Say. <laughs> you got to, I'm, watch, I'm, I'm busy watching wide receiver. I'm busy watching wide receiver. I ain't watching the left guard in practice. Come on. Well, also, and that's everyone wants. Who, how's so and so look? How's the offensive line look? How's the, how's that competition? I don't even know that there is any movement in the competition on the offensive line during these practices. It's about making sure these guys know where to go and the mental side of it, which we don't know. We have really no sense of that unless someone's jumping off sides. Or, there was a little too much of that going on. Too many false starts going there, on. There was too much of that on Wednesday, but look. You can't make any sort of assessments of the guard competition during an OTA or minicamp practice. That is going to be determined when guys have pads on. Like that's when you can tell on the offense line. You can't tell what in a non-contact practice. By the way, there's some contact on the offensive line. That's how you determine who's good on the O line. Yeah. And when you don't have any, it's hard to make assessments. Right. Let, let's jump into an email. This is a good time for an email from Will Saunders. He says, are you concerned about the young offensive linemen? Obviously, the Ravens have prioritized improving the offensive line, but with all the recent draft picks, the front office still signs Zeitler, Villanueva, Schofield, and an injured Jawan James. What does that say about the draft picks? Are the Ravens disappointed with their progress? The most shocking to me was James, uh, even if for the future that signing creates a question mark on Phillips. Thanks as always, Will Saunders. Uh, thank you, Will. And uh, as we've said, you can email us at thelounge at ravens.nfl.net. Uh, make sure you send us those emails because we're going into the cold. It gets hot outside, but this is the cold period of the NFL. And we're going to need some questions from you all <laughs> to get us through this period before training camp starts. Let's be honest. Um, we might have to yeah, come up with some yeah. more competitions, some more drafts, so I can just continue to my hot streak in drafts. I think I won the last one. Isn't that correct? I don't know that you've ever won one. I'm not going to give it to you. I'm not going to. Uh, there's no way I'm just handing you a win on that. I don't even remember what the last draft was, but I do know I'm not handing you a victory. <laughs> anyway, uh, good question, Will. I, I mean, here's the thing. I think, obviously, we have yet to to say whether, you know, the Ravens really hit on, on a guy like, you know, uh, Ben Powers or not. Tyree, you know, he's just entering his second season. He was a starter last year started several game more than several games as a third round rookie that's pretty darn good but i agree with you you know those guys we mentioned them you know they're in competition at left guard they're not a shoe in to win it uh they could just become really good backups valuable backups i'll say this about tyree is if he doesn't win a starting spot at left guard he's probably your third tackle right which is an important job honestly your swing offensive tackle uh, is is a really key role because who who do the Ravens really have outside of Ronnie Stanley and Villanueva? I mean, Patrick McCarry played tackle in college. He he could potentially step in in a pinch, uh, you know. But Andre Smith, 
you know, I mean, he just got onto the field for minicamp and didn't see a lot of reps. The guy's got a ton of starts under his belt, but is he going to make the team? You know, I, I, I more see them saying to Tyree, this guy can play every position but center. You know, that makes him incredibly yeah. valuable in case somebody were to get hurt. And let's be honest, you you never see an offensive line, the starting five from week one, play every single game, all 16. So, you know, yeah. Tyree Phillips, I think, even if he isn't in a landing a starting job, is still a key player. And and the Ravens, you know, Ben Bredesen's another mid-round pick that hasn't become a, a big-time player yet. But let's not forget, Bradley Bozeman was, what, a fifth, sixth-round pick? Who is now right. looking like the Ravens' starting guard and somebody we're we're talking about getting starting con- center, starting center, sorry, starting center, and somebody that we're talking about getting a contract extension, sixth round pick, Bradley Bozeman, right? Orlando yeah. Brown was a third round pick. That one worked out pretty darn well that you yep. flipped into a first. So you know you're not going to hit on every single draft pick. The Ravens have made a lot of mid to late round offensive lineman selections. Some of them have hit to be determined on some others. Sure, and like. I think you make a good point about Tyree. Also, if he can play all these different positions, then that kind of eliminates what I think what hurts an offensive line is one guy gets hurt and all of a sudden four positions change because there's a domino effect that takes place. You know, left tackle gets hurt Mm -hmm. and now you're moving one guy from guard to tackle. Then you got a new guard that's in there. Like, I I don't like when all of a sudden Mm -hmm. the the line is blown up. With Phillips, like, if you have an. Right, because continuity matters a lot. Absolutely, on the it matters. And when you have with Phillips, if, if he's not a starter, say Ben Cleveland's a starter, and you have an injury at any spot other than center, he can can step in and fill that job. So I think that that's good. In terms of whether like, I mean, the Ravens had a need at, at tackle still. So like, and if you get Villanueva, who's been a long time starter in the league. Like part of it's just you just want the best team. So like I don't know that there's any sort of like referendum right. on the young offensive lineman because the Ravens added Juwan James. Like okay, so they got a guy who signed a monster contract two three years ago who was considered a, a really good player. They get him on the cheap, and they get to see what he has. Like that is a yeah. I mean I mean let's call it what it, let's call it what it is. The Ravens obviously thought that Villanueva is better right now than Tyree Phillips. Right, and they probably and they potentially feel like probably feel like Juwan James is better, you know, late this season or next year, than than Tyree Phillips is at right tackle. Also, that's okay. That's fine. It doesn't mean that they think Tyree yeah, Phillips like, stinks. A James, it's just you, you take you take a flyer on like the James thing. It's just a it's a good move. You just you take a flyer on a guy who's injured right now. You see how he looks when he gets healthy, and then you can determine what his role right. is that just, like a really high quality player who hasn't been on the field in basically three years. But when he was on the field, he was really good. So um, I think that the offensive line is still a work in progress, but I do like it. I like Zeitler. I like Villanueva. Obviously you like a key piece of it is when Ronnie Stanley gets back on the field, May not be, you know, John Harbour did say this week, may not be day one of training camp, 
but the expectation is still that he'll be ready for the start of the season. So, you know, of course you want him on the field as early as possible, but you also want him healthy when he gets on the field. No sense of rushing Ronnie Stanley back on the field just so you can hit some arbitrary deadline of first day of training camp. He's Mm -hmm. out there. Like you want him healthy more than you want him healthy in September, October, November, December, rather than July 27th or whenever the first day of training camp is. Um, all right. And, and also, last thing I'll say about the offensive line, I think you solidify the offensive line and the line plays like it did in 2019. This offense is going to be leaps and bounds better than it was last year. I, I just think if I like if you're saying what is the key to this offense having mega success in 2021? Is it the new weapons having chemistry with Lamar? Is it Whatever, all the different possibilities. I'm old school in saying that I think that if you solidify the line and that group plays at a high level, really high level, then all the other things will fall into place. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I think the the Ravens have the potential to have a really good offensive line. I really do. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. All right, so third tight end. Top two are going to be Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle. Nick Boyle's another guy who hasn't been back on the field yet. Is he back the first day of training camp? We'll see. But whenever he's back, not worried about Nick Boyle. He's going to be ready to go whenever he does get back on the field. Third tight end, you got Josh Oliver, who the Ravens traded for in a move with Jacksonville. Uh, you have Eli Wolf, who was an undrafted rookie last year, who people were excited about. You know, spent some time on the practice squad, dealt with injuries. How do you see this position, or this spot playing out? You know, I, I really, I think right now probably uh, the leaders for me would be Josh Oliver or Eli Wolf. Uh, I really like what I've seen from Eli Wolf, to be honest. You, you know, Josh Oliver is an intriguing player uh, because, you know, he was a former third round pick and, and the trade and all that. Um, you know, and, and just his body type. I mean, you know, talking, I think, to John Eisberg, he was like, you know, does he does he kind of remind you of Darren Waller? And I was like, ah, let's pump the brakes a little bit on that. I'm not going to put him in that category. Um, you know, I don't think he's quite as big, not quite as like f- just filled out and athletically gifted as Darren Waller is, who is one of the absolute, you know, most athletic specimens in the NFL, I would have to say. Uh-huh. Um, but like shades of that. Okay. I can see it, you know, and, and he, he caught a lot of passes on Wednesday. He dropped one, but he was active. You know, so that's good to see. You know, the the quarterbacks are trusting him, and he's making the play for the most part. He had a nice kind of play where he he had to really pluck it off the turf uh, and see a big man like that bend and and get that ball. I thought was impressive. But I I really like Eli Wolf. He 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 reminds me of Hayden Hurst a little bit, and and he was very active in OTAs. Um, looked like something was bothering him a little bit uh, in practice Wednesday, like cramping up or something like that. But um, I don't know. I I like Eli. Eric Eric Tomlinson's another guy who I didn't mention, but he was on the team at the end of last season. He's big. I mean, he's more in that Nick Boyle. Not mold. quite not that big, but yeah. He's well, a blocker. It's there's not there's I mean, I think that that Nick's probably the biggest, yeah. you know, one of the biggest blocking tight ends in the league. So he's no it's hard to compare anybody to that, but he's more he's more in that mold than Eli Wolf. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're much different physical yeah. players. The thing with Eli Wolf to me, I mean, he's got to stay on the field. He's 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 kind of been on and off over his time here, you know, dealt with some injuries. I think he's got to prove once they get out of training camp that he can make it through preseason, make it mm-hmm. through a full training camp and stay healthy. That That's a big question. Uh, in well, it's going to a lot of that, I think, is also going to be special teams, right? Your third tight end spot, yeah. that player should be a, a good special teams player. Um, 
And I I think the interesting thing there is what happens with Ben Mason. I was just going to say that. Totally. I agree. mean, because you're not going to have two full, but you don't carry two fullbacks right. basically. So is Mason good enough? As like, if nobody really separates as a third tight end, where you say, yeah, that guy's going to be really useful on offense. Do you just keep Ben Mason to then have like your backup essentially to Boyle slash Ricard and, and, right. you know, make sure that you keep a rookie that you invested a fifth round pick in, you know? So that is, that's, that's a wild actually, card. That, that's actually, that's actually how I see it playing. Yeah. Game. That none, n- that like, none of those other guys separate enough. Yeah. I mean, if I'm, I don't want to do the full 53 man prediction right now, but I, I think as it stands right now, I would see Mason, being on the team and then maybe only keeping two tight ends because, like I said, you're not going to keep two fullbacks. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't think and three tight ends, especially when Mason is kind of a hybrid tight end fullback, and you could also use Ricard in that fullback hybrid role, like is which what the Ravens did some right. of last year. Well, after and the question is, you know, what everybody loves to talk about is, oh, Greg Roman loves tight ends and three tight end formations, multiple tight ends, and sure, yeah, he did a lot of that. <laughs> When it was Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, and Hayden Hurst, right? You had a first-round pick mm-hmm. in the Hayden Hurst. Well, you traded him, and now you've invested a wide receiver. So the offense is going to evolve a little bit, as Greg Roman has said, and expand the profile a little bit. Maybe that means we see more three wide receiver sets and less of the multiple tight end spots. But, you know, with all that said, it, you if you have an injury there, right? Like Nick Boyle's injury last year really hurt this offense really hurt it. And so if you have an injury, you you can't be shorthanded there because the tight ends blocking, particularly in the run game, are so important. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you talked about wide receivers. Let's, let's go through that quickly. The guys who are definitely going to be on the team, I mean, the top three receivers are Hollywood, Sammy Watkins, and Bateman. Those are your top three receivers. Uh, Bateman has the ability to play inside, outside. We, we have talked about that on the podcast. He could definitely be in, in the slot in those three receiver sets. He could be outside in two receiver sets. Uh, he could rotate with Sammy Watkins, and then you know Devin Duvernay could slide inside, or Tylen Wallace potentially could slide inside. But anyway, those are your top three. Then I think Duvernay, I think Duvernay is definitely on the team. Um, and and then you've basically got uh, Prochet, Boykin. Um, Tylen Wallace. Tylen Wallace is going to be on the team, but you got Prochet, Boykin. I mean, it's hard to even... Benjamin Victor, by the way, I thought was maybe the... Next to Sammy Watkins, had the best day of any receiver uh, in Wednesday's practice. The guy That's was just because you're making Ohio State plays guy. down the field. I mean, was he not? Was he not making plays down the field? He did. Plays? He did. Had a couple yeah. of them. It, it's going to be tough for Benjamin Victor to make the 53-man team, but he looked pretty darn good uh, in practice. I I, I kind of see it as Boykin, Prochet competing for one of those last roster spots. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's going to be really tricky. Uh, I think a lot of it for James Prochet is special teams. and Is he the returner or does Devin DuVernay take both the kick returner and punt returner jobs? That's going to be important for Prochet to say, I'm that much better as a returner than Devin DuVernay that I deserve a roster spot. And, and I really like James Prochet. I think he's been one of the standouts of OTAs and minicamp, you know, he's just getting better. And I've always thought he's a, a, a good player. So I, I really like him. Um, I think Miles Boykin is really the most interesting case here because here you have a guy who start, who, who was a starter last year, you know, and, and yeah. there's no bones about it. He's 
probably he's the best blocking wide receiver on the team. And I know that that's not what fans want to hear about. You know, I understand that when you talk about wide receivers, what matters most is catching the ball and scoring touchdowns. But blocking is important, especially in a run-heavy team. Uh, so, you know, and, and he's practiced well. Like, I, I think Miles Boykin has made some plays in practice. Uh, you know, he's, he's catching the ball well. Had a diving catch on Wednesday that I thought was right there with Sammy Watkins' long catch from Lamar Jackson as the best of practice. So Miles Boykin is, is making strides in his development as are all the wide receivers with these new coaches. And I'm just, I'm not ready to say, ah, you know, time to turn the page on Miles Boykin, but is he's in a numbers crunch. He's in a numbers crunch. So I don't, I don't know where he fits in that. Yeah. Is like, this a year where the Ravens keep think- seven? Well, it's hard to keep, you know, <laughs> hard to keep seven receivers, two fullbacks, three tight ends, and three quarterbacks. Like, you got to make cuts yeah. somewhere. Well, I'm keeping two quarterbacks. Along the way. <laughs> and we, we already <laughs> talked about Ben Mason. But, yeah. Yeah. I, I would be a little surprised if they keep seven. I would, I would be, be too. Um, but they got a lot. Espe- yeah. Especially if, <clears throat> if Duvernay ends up being the return. Right. You know, if, if Duvernay ends up being the returner, then Perche is not going to be on the team. That's just that's the facts. Um, right. Duran ends up winning those jobs like they like he was doing at the end of last season. They're just gonna part ways with Prochet or or um, stash right. him in some way. Sure. Um, all right. On the defensive side, I don't think there's a ton of like super interesting competitions. The defense is pretty well set. It's it's roles, uh, as John Harbaugh said. Everybody's you know how big a slice of the pie do you get? What role? What package are you in for those like linebackers in particular? Right. So secondary, though, figuring out those last couple cornerback spots, I think, will be intriguing. Mm-hmm. Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith, obviously on the team. Anthony Tavon Graham was back. Well, yeah, Tavon's back in yeah. practice. Let's just assume that Tavon continues to progress and he's ready to go. He'll be on the team. Anthony Averett, I think, That's will be five. on the team. That's for sure. five corners right That's five. there. You got you got Sean Wade, a fifth round pick. You got Khalil Dorsey, who played some last year and, and made some plays in minicamp practice, so I think has been good. Devontae Harris, who they re-signed to a one year deal, yeah. who was also good. Who also had a good practice on Wednesday. He yep. had a good practice on yep. Wednesday. Another special team. Veteran player. So <laughs> so so they're gonna keep seven receivers, three tight ends, two fullbacks, three quarterbacks, and what, ten, ten corners? corners? Yeah, book it. Book it. <laughs> uh yeah. Uh, I mean, and and I'll I'll throw out another name, Chris Chris Westry, six foot four, corner out of Kentucky, got a pick. He was one of the guys. I think he picked off uh, Huntley. Um, he's looked good. I mean, tall, lanky, yeah. long guy. Uh, so they have a lot. And Brandon Stevens, we didn't mention. We didn't oh, mention yeah. Brandon. Well, Stevens. well, Brandon's, I mean, well, I, I to me, he's a safety. He's playing safe. Well, I mean, he's, he's a safety. Please he's playing both, but sure, yeah. I mean, he's he's. I put him in the. I put him, in, him the in the safety group. All right, all right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's making the team, obviously. Yes, he's going to be on the team. Right. Round pick, but he's he's making the team as a safety in my calculation okay. there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I think it's really interesting. I mean, I probably give I probably give the nod to Devontae Harris. He's a really good gunner, um, a little more experienced, and he's playing well. You know, so, um. Khalil Dorsey is more to me like 
if Tavon weren't ready to be the nickel, then you probably keep him Khalil on the team. Um, you know, if, if Tavon weren't ready to go, but I expect that Tavon will be. Sean Wade, though, is also the other guy who you look at and you say, well, you know, he excelled in the slot at Ohio State. You invested a fifth round pick in him. Obviously, they're not going to let him go, you know, so he's got to be on the roster in some form or fashion. Um, so it, they got they have a crunch at corner. That is absolutely for sure. I'm in yeah. Marshall, a former fourth round pick out of USC, hasn't taken the field. He's still recovering from injury. So once he gets back on, that adds another person. Right. And I think, to me, I think Marshall's got an uphill climb just because he hasn't played in two years because of yeah. injuries and had no idea what kind of condition yes. he's in. It's been a while. It must have been, you know, the fact that he's not out there means that it's it's a tough injury to come yes. back from. So no idea how that's going. Um, but he'll have an uphill battle once he is on the field. So, look, I mean, there's – we didn't want to. We wanted to kind of set the stage. The last, the last thing I'll ask you, because all of this is just sort of setting the stage for training camp, giving listeners sort of a perspective of what the key battles are going to be once we get to that point. Do you expect the Ravens to add a veteran player between now and the start of camp? I mean, Justin Houston is is the one that we get asked probably five times about in Ravens mailbag every single week. Um, what do you think? Yes. You do okay, so you, all right. Good. Yeah, I, th- I think they got one more in them. I, I still think, I, I, for as much as the pass rushes, you know, what was it that Wink said the uh, overblown stat or whatever it was uh, that he said sacks are, are totally superficial. Yeah, um, I think yeah. that the Ravens would it, definitely be benefited from somebody else that can get after quarterbacks, even if it's not sacks, if it's pressures or whatnot. Um, so I, I think they got another move in them. I could see that. I mean, it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, and you just add, if you add, you know, just use Houston as the example, like they don't have, I mean, Tyus Bowser's in Purnell. I guess they do have a veteran there in that group in Purnell, but you could add somebody that can get after the quarterback. It's like the old thing Ozzy always says. You never have too many guys that can get after the quarterback. To me, it's a hired gun while Odafe Owe continues to mature as a player. And Owe's going to have a, a, mm-hmm. definitely a role. But, you know, as we've all talked about, it's it's a progression with him a little bit. So this is, a, to me, the Ravens, it would be nice to get a one-year hired gun who Odafe could learn a little bit from and who can immediately, you know, he can step in and, and give you some sacks and pressure. And I'll tell you what, if the Ravens don't make that, if they don't bring in a pass rusher, I think that, that that's an indication right there of what they think of what they've seen from away. Mm-hmm. Like, if that doesn't happen, it's like, okay, wow, he must have really impressed. Right, because you, um, you need somebody to give Pernell McPhee some snaps off. Pernell McPhee, I love oh, Pernell, absolutely. but he, he, he cannot be on the field for, you know, 80% of the snaps. Yeah, yeah. He's a 50% of the snaps or so around that number, I would think, at this point of his career. Yep. Um, all right. Well, we're gonna be talking about all of this over the course of the next month. Um, we're also gonna we, we're working on some guests that we want to bring to you as well um, to give you some kind of interesting perspective during this time of the season. Where uh, basically what happens now, just to give you a little behind the scenes, I'm here in the building right now. It's kind of a mad dash to the parking lot. Players today, 
They were in meetings. They did their conditioning test. And then it was, they were screaming out of here to the airport, probably for flights at, you know, two hours after meetings ended uh, to go wherever that, you know, on vacation, go back home. And this is their, this is their downtime. Uh, This is the downtime for everyone on the football side before training camp starts up. So um, that's, that's, you know, that's what the time of the year is for. So we will still have a podcast next week. Uh, they're like, we'll continue to do the podcast over the course of this time, set the table for training camp. And uh, like Ryan mentioned earlier, send us those emails. So we got plenty to discuss.